Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast, brought to you by the journalists of BeaconJournal.com. Each week, they will share their expertise on Akron and Summit County. Now, here's your host, Craig Webb. Thank you for joining us for the Now You Know Akron podcast. I'm your host, Craig Webb. In this podcast, we'll be having a discussion about the housing market. If you have a house for sale, you know it's hot. If you're looking for a house, you know it's hard to find one. We'll speak first with a Stowe couple about their trials and tribulations of finding just that right dream home. We'll also have a discussion with reporter Amanda Garrett, who's been covering this crazy housing market and has spoken to many new homeowners, and also a realtor who specializes in helping new homeowners find just the right dream home. But first, let's take a look at three recent headlines from BeaconJournal.com. It seems this week it's all about homes, so it should come as no surprise that that's exactly some of the stories our reporters have been chasing. After years of planning and discussing, a bit of wrangling between developers and residents, the proposed new Menards Home Improvement Store, just across the Summit County line, in neighboring Medina County, has been approved. The giant store, along with some other yet-to-be-named retailers, is slated to be built along State Route 18 in Granger Township. In a related story, we took a look at soaring prices for building materials. Lumber prices are at record high, but surprisingly, this has not affected demand. Demand is up as more and more folks are working from home during the pandemic and are looking to make improvements from new pools to new decks to new home offices. The demand is also up for new home construction, too. This has created delays and higher prices for supplies for everything from lumber to doorknobs to windows. Our final story is more details are beginning to merge about an off-campus party in Silver Lake that involves students from Walsh Jesuit High School and some other area schools. The incident in which a student was allegedly assaulted while passed out has led to the departure of some Walsh students and calls for more accountability for actions outside the classroom and also calls for additional education about using social media. BeaconJournal.com and our apps always feature updated headlines and subscriber-exclusive content you can't find anywhere else. And now for our spotlight topic. It seems everyone is talking about home improvement projects or are looking at selling or buying a new home. We take a look at this hot real estate market and particularly the frustrations of first-time home buyers not only searching for that dream home, but often having to make offers over the asking price just to get a foot in the door. We're joined by Scott Drasdick and his fiancée, Gabby Chafin. They are recent homeowners. Congratulations uh, and welcome. Thank you, guys. So I, I guess, you know, every story starts at the beginning. And obviously you, you folks met and, and decided that uh, had you read it for a, a while? Yes, we, we rented for about two years in Cuyahoga Falls. I remember um, when my wife and I had our first apartment, and, and all I dreamed of was a driveway and a garage, a place to park my car. And that was like one of my driving forces of wanting to own a house. Like what, what was the driving force for you? I think just be, being able to put equity into something and being able to sell it down the road and just, you know, get get a return on investment. So um, we're very excited to get out there and purchase our first home. And we always knew that we kind of liked this area a lot. We both went to Kent State University. We're both graduates from there. 
Um, and this is a really good halfway point, halfway distance from both of our families. So um, we kind of knew that we wanted to put our roots down um, somewhere in this area. I am a fellow Golden Flash. That's where I met my wife. Uh, class of, of 1990, about 100 years ago. or last <laughs> But so how did you start your journey? I mean, how did, how did you begin looking? Obviously, we kind of knew the market was crazy going into it. We started our house search around, um, I want to say like August. So we really, again, I feel like everyone does this, even if you're actively looking or not. Have the apps like Zillow and Realtor and just take a peek, see what's, see what's around. And before we even officially started looking, we realized that there wasn't a lot of houses for sale, but there was a lot of people looking to purchase. So we noticed things just going really quickly. Like you'd save a house, and then, again, a couple days later, it's pending, contingent, and things just moving at a rapid pace. So that kind of really made us just take a step back and, um, I guess, really try to think as broad as possible and, uh, I guess, consider more more areas and more cities. We we're really just trying to be as, I guess, open-minded in our search as possible, just knowing, I guess, the circumstances of the market. Yeah, and I think that we actually started our search a little bit before August. We were probably on those apps, Zillow and Realtor, like a couple months before that, probably at the beginning of that year. Um, and, yeah, just seeing how nothing's really popping up. And if it does pop up, it's contingent right away. Um, so I think in August is when we really started to get serious about it. And we um, requested the help of some realtors along the way, which I'm sure we'll get into some of that here shortly. So as part of the prep, I mean, did you get yourself free finance? So you were approved and ahead of time? Did you do some of the getting your financial ducks in order? Yeah, that, that's correct. So yeah, we did, we did a couple of pre-approvals and, um, yeah, had those under our belt just, you know, in case we did put an offer down or something and be ready to go. So we we're pretty, pretty ready with that process. I think more or less it was just, um, we really didn't know off the top of our heads, like when you make a relationship with a realtor to represent you, there's obviously a lot at stake and, you know, you really want to know that person and get to understand their workflow. So, I feel like we were both, we're both entrepreneurial people and we really try to think stuff through. So there, there were some times we would just, again, go to see a house with a listing agent. That way, again, it, it made the process more simple for us and we didn't have to have too many parties or anything, especially since we were just starting our search. So, uh, I know sometimes you go to, would go to a open house with people or just go to a one-off showing and people would be like, oh, you need to sign this contract, this and that. And again, I was very apprehensive to do anything, just anything like that. And in hindsight, I'm glad we didn't just because um, when we ended up making our offer, we, we ended up just going with the listing agent, which we'll kind of get to here later. But um, I think, again, young couples sometimes make a mistake and people who are just searching for a home will sign with one realtor and um, not realize that, again, they can't be represented by anyone else. So just something, I guess, to be be mindful of for people who are out there for the first time. And I will say even some second time home buyers make that mistake, um, myself included and my wife. We, uh, we, we once even wrote our we, we made fake names to go to an open house. I shouldn't admit that, should I? Is that illegal? But, uh, and, but the problem was we didn't rehearse enough and we forgot what fake names we had assigned each other. And oh, in the no. middle, and walking through, the woman said, I thought you said your name was Steve. And I said, oh, did I? <laughs> yes. It oh, was my goodness. Because we found we got into a pickle because we, we liked the house, but then because our listing, it just became this whole weird thing. And, and we yeah. had, you know, we weren't 
sophisticated enough or had, we're not educated ourselves as much as, as you did. So that's, that's good sage advice. So how many houses did you look at? How many do you think it was, Gabby? I don't know. Uh, we looked at a lot on the apps, like we said, but in person, I'd say 20, if that's about right, or less than that. No, I'd, I'd say you're about right. We really tried to, before we went somewhere in person, and again, the first couple of houses, we maybe made the mistake of not doing as much research, research as we should have. So after we went to our first couple of showings and realized man, we really got to look through some other stuff on our list. Um, we really, I guess, did more research in advance. And um, once we kind of narrowed it down and saw a house we liked, then we would, you know, have to move more quickly because someone, you know, they put it on the market, you got like 48 hours to make your offer, and that's it. So it really kind of took like going out there a few times, taking a look at some properties. Then once we better understood the process and what it entailed, then we knew, okay, if we see one we really like, we need to move quick and be ready to, you know, get our questions answered and make our offer promptly because lots of offers are coming in and not a lot of time. So what was your dream house? I mean, in in your conceptual dream house, what, what were you looking for? New, old, ranch, two-story, dormers, no dormers, garage, <laughs> granite countertops? We definitely had um, those key items, so like a garage. I think we said three bath or sorry, three bedrooms, at least two bathrooms, and is that about it? Basement. Yeah, basement, and um, you know, we weren't being super picky. Like that's that's pretty common, I would think. Those requirements, um, and still, even being that dumbed down, we were having a hard time, like retaining any listings that were coming up. So the question of not having houses available or the question of they were just selling quicker than you could even get in to see them? I think it's, yeah, the second quite, second point, just it, everything was going so quick. Um, there was even a time we went to a showing, and I think the listing was up like a couple, only for a couple of days, and then we got there, and then the realtor said, I hope you hate it because it just went under contract. Um Ended up not being the right house anyway, but as you can imagine, like, again, with both of our jobs, every, you know, our, our teams knew that we were in the search and I know, I think it was an afternoon and we both just took off real quick to go drive and see it. And, you know, it's a bit of a frustrating process because you kind of drop everything sometimes. And again, things are moving at the speed of lightning, but, uh, uh, it all worked out in the end, but definitely just a interesting process. <laughs> Did you have your hearts broken along the way? A couple times, but not completely broken. We, we still have the strength to get to where we are now. <laughs> yeah, looking back on it, I'm glad that some of the offers that we put in like were rejected, and I'm glad that we ended up with the house we're at now. So it all worked out for the best. So how many houses did you put offers on? Technically, we put an offer on one. There's another one we're about to put an offer in, and it, it went in contract before we could put in our offer. So that was a frustrating one for sure. Um, and I, I guess kind of going off Gabby's point, too, the first one we made our offer on, there was a lot of things we really liked about the house. And um, I guess at the end of the day, with this market and a lot of people out there, you know, realtors are saying, hey, put your best offer in in advance. Don't worry about escalation clauses. Just put your best offer in, in advance that you really get one shot at it. So I'm, I'm glad her and I really took a deep breath. We like this house and it was a couple months into our search. We definitely were feeling the feeling the stress of the search, but Gabby and I talked and we said, hey, you know, here, here's the best we're going to do because people go way above asking price. And we said, here's what we feel is worth paying for the house. And you know, our offer didn't get accepted on that one, but at least we could both walk away knowing that 
we had the confidence of we weren't going to overpay for something that we felt needed, you know, some things updated and that kind of stuff. So in hindsight, I'm glad we didn't just jump and completely escalate our price to get it because some houses do take a little bit of work and um, just something to keep in mind for people out there. Um, it, it is really <laughs> once you have to start updating stuff on top of going above asking price, it adds up real quick. So you found your dream home in Stowe. What was it about that house that stood out? Just a really, you know, nice, quiet neighborhood, which was great. Um, Checked off all of our major boxes, has a basement, a garage, three bedrooms, two bathrooms, a nice um, private backyard, which is a plus. That wasn't something on our list. And it has a really gorgeous bay window in the kitchen, and I love that. It's a house and it becomes a home, right? So you've moved in, right? You're you're in the house or the home, I should say. Yes, we've been here, moved in now a little over two months. Now, is this your home and also your work office? Are you both working remotely like many folks? We're still working, I think, both of us remotely for a good chunk of the time. Are in the office still a little bit here and there. But, uh, yeah, we both have an office set up, which is nice. And, uh yeah. Just a good location in, in, in Stowe, kind of kind of central to a lot of things in the Cleveland-Akron area. You know, it's a scary process buying a house. I remember we, we bought our, our first home, my, my wife and I, and I, and I made this pledge that I was going to read every document. I was going to pay attention to every, but they keep putting more and more documents in front of you, and you're initialing, and you are signing, and you are double-checking. And I will tell you, when we bought our second house, I said, you know, this time I'm going to pay attention to every and it, it's a bit overwhelming, isn't it, when you, you finally close a deal? Oh, yeah, you're, you're right on the money with that. I mean, you, you try to give it your best shot, right? It almost reminds me of, like, when you're in school and you have to take one of those tests that's, like, three hours, and you have to do the best you, you can, right, because you don't have the time to read everything and overlook everything twice. But, yeah, it's definitely just putting your best effort in. And I think a couple things, you know, asking, like, hey, we don't understand this, and it, it's okay to ask for clarity, um, and yeah, yeah just <laughs> we asked a few times and the lady was more than happy to just go over it again and just explain, oh, this is the reason why you're signing it it's for this blah, blah, blah. And then it kind of made us feel a little bit better, even though we didn't like get to deep dive and read the whole paper ourselves. I, I remember thinking at one point that someone was going to come in with a camera and say, oh, it's all just a big prank. You know, like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it felt that way. Yeah. So what's your sense now? Are you glad you you took the dive? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Especially with the interest rates being the way they were. I mean, I I really feel for anyone out there right now, and I I know the market's still going to be tough probably for a little bit, but um, if you keep your head in the game and just really do your research on the homes and just stay on it with what's coming up, you definitely have a chance to get out there. If if it's what you want and you can make an offer that's going to fit that, there is a lot of potential, so it just process. You got to stay patient, and yeah, it, it all really worked out for the best. Out of all the houses we saw, I really think this one that we ended up with was our favorite. It was meant to be, and uh, yeah, it, it really all did work out for us. If you really like the house and it meets all your criteria, just really try to get to be the first one in there. Just do what you have to do to. If you're working with a realtor, make sure that they know, like you call them and say, hey, I need to get in first thing tomorrow. Or if you're not working with a realtor, make sure that you call the listing agent and get in and just make sure that you get an offer in if it's really what you want. If you had one do-over in this process, there's one thing you might have done differently? 
not wasted our time in so many dumpy houses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were even looking in the building for a point, which um, that that was a whole can of worms in itself, because I didn't realize looking for land was even more difficult than looking for a house. So uh, not that that's a bad thing at all, but I now that we ended up buying in an existing house, I wish maybe I would have spent more time just, you know, focusing on that, not worrying about land. But definitely learned a lot through the process, so uh, it, it's all a learning experience. And if you had one person—I'm sorry—one piece of sage advice that you would offer another couple in your situation, what would that be? Just trust your gut, stay confident, and um, yeah, don't be afraid to ask questions. But gotta move quick. And if people don't get back to you, if people don't respond, you, you gotta take initiatives in your own hands. If you see a house you like and you have a good feeling about it, don't be waiting around for someone to call you back. You, you gotta put matters in your own hands and just stay prompt with the process. So. Just be confident, and it, it can be done. We made it through in this market, and it worked out for us. So I know it can for anyone else. Yeah, and just know how much you want to spend, and don't go above that. For sure. Sage advice from, from two very young people. Um, that maybe <laughs> advice for an old-timer like me, too. Well, Scott and Gabby, I'd like to thank you so much for, for offering your share your story and, and share some, some great advice for other young millennials who are looking for houses. And, and I will tell you, owning a home is, is the most awesome thing you can do. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, it, it is, you know, it, it's one payment you, you won't mind making every month. So yeah. thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you, Craig. As we continue our discussion about the hot real estate market, we're joined by Amanda Garrett, who's been reporting about this, I guess, lack of a better word, crazy uh, market, and particularly the plight for young home buyers looking for the, just the right first home and Realtor Janae Carter from Howard Hanna. So so welcome. Thank you. Thank you. In, in our last segment, um, we, we did talk to a, a young couple, um, just bought a home in Stowe, but it was a very long process, looking at 20 homes, homes just disappearing before they could even make an offer. And I, I suppose as a realtor, that's what you're seeing too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a tough market for home buyers right now, and I don't envy them. Um, and I don't think most people in my industry envy the buyers right now. We actually pretty much have a lot of compassion for them because they're having to make decisions about whether or not they want to buy a home within sometimes 45 minutes to two hours. And this is like one of the biggest decisions of your life. But in order to compete, in this market, you have to have no time to sleep on it. We say if you sleep on it, you probably aren't going to sleep in it. Which means you have to be prepared, right? I mean, you, you have to kind of have your financial affairs in order, and that's kind of telling a young couple financial affairs, you're probably like, what? I'm too young to think like this, right? Well, we we always encourage everyone to be pre-approved. Like, I typically, I won't show a home unless you're pre-approved. Um, and then the lenders that I work with usually make sure that um, the buyers have all their ducks in a row financially so that when we get that pre-approval letter, they're ready to go with making their offer. And we know that all of that should be fine. So, Amanda, you also talked to some some young home buyers. What, what was their experiences? Just what we've been talking about. It's so huge for them. And they're looking uh, sometimes at dozens of houses and also missing out on them. They'll put in a bid and it'll be a good bid, sometimes $25,000 over asking price. 
and they still lose the house. And it just becomes frustrating. I was uh, mentioning that on my front door app for my neighborhood, I see young buyers especially reaching out, trying to find people who haven't even put their houses on the market yet, hoping just to get a leg up um, to get a chance to put an offer in. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely the case, Amanda. I feel like this is a, this is a difficult time to be a buyer. And that's even more like why it's so important to have somebody advocating for you. Because, you know, as a realtor, we're going to hear about things that are coming on before, probably before they will most of the time. Although I have a lot of proactive buyers right now, like who are really like searching day and night, driving around neighborhoods, kind of like you're saying. Um, and they're doing a lot of the legwork trying to trying to find something um but when you have somebody working with you as your advocate it helps a lot it does one of the things i learned about reporting the story too is a lot of first-time home buyers don't have the background education and a realtor can really help them right now the market's so competitive um some people selling their homes are telling people they'll only sell without a home inspection, which is really, I think most people would agree, vital if you're buying a house because it can turn up things that could be thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in repairs. And, you know, having a realtor can coach you through that and tell you, you know, what you're not going to miss to make to help you. If you're putting out all this money, you don't want to make a mistake. Right, absolutely. Like for first time home buyers, I feel like a home inspection is vital. And even if you're, you know, not a first time home buyer, I still recommend it. I just feel like, okay, maybe if this is your second home, you might have a little bit more knowledge and you might be a little bit more prepared and know more what to look for. But if you're a first time home buyer, you really do need that coaching and you really need a a home inspection because um, this is going to be probably your biggest investment so far in life. You know, at at this point, if you're a millennial and you haven't bought a house, you're probably putting forth your best investment. And then if you're going to be paying these prices that are far above list price, you want to make sure that you're investing in something that's worth it. So a home inspection is like very vital at this point. And everything that you said, about why you need one is something that I would totally echo. Does that bring up the issue of maybe, and I, I just think of a bad analogy of the, the folks who go to the charity auction and get caught up in the auction and end up walking home with a puppy. Um, buyer's remorse? I mean, is, is, is because of this competitiveness and just you've got to make a quick, you know, quick bid, quick, I mean, have you find that, that some maybe young homeowners are like, ooh, maybe it wasn't exactly my dream home? Yep, absolutely. Um, there are some people who are having some buyer's remorse and I've I've seen articles on like realtor.com about people who are having this buyer's remorse and I've heard stories even in my, my own office about people who you know they bought a year ago and now they're ready to sell um, the good thing about that is that because these values keep going up and up and up they can probably sell and they can probably recoup um, the balance of what they paid for it but um, it is a tough market and like I said I don't envy the first-time home buyers, because you really have to make this decision very rapidly. I remember when I bought my first home, I had to make the decision. I had a few weeks to make the decision. And, you know, these kids or these first-time buyers, whether they're, you know, whatever age they are, they're, they're making these decisions so fast. And so 
it is something that you really, this is another reason why I just really advocate for having a realtor because even though you may not have a ton of time, I'm going to give you all the information that I can possibly give you to help you make the most informed decision within a short time period. Is this a first for the Akron market? I mean, we always hear about the, you know, think of the California market and sometimes New York. I mean, is this unprecedented? Well, I've I've only been in real estate for six years, so I can't 100% speak to whether or not that is um, something that has happened. But I think on this level that this is the first time that this has happened. And definitely since I've been in the market, I've seen, you know, like 2016, I remember being kind of crazy. I remember 2017 being kind of crazy, but then it kind of slowed down a little bit. And then with COVID, with the shortage, you know, of people actually listing their homes and the demand being so great because people have been working from home for a year and they're like, I need bigger bedrooms or I need um, more space to work from home. I believe that that is what has caused this to be so crazy and like I have a um, family that lives in Columbus and they've been telling me for years how it's so crazy for lack of a better word there. And I feel like Akron is turning into Columbus. I was going to ask you as, as a reporter, you know, you tend to, you know, you like things to be neat, right? I mean, when you're reporting, but we're in the middle of a pandemic, which would think economy slowed down, economy crashed. And yet you're reporting on just unprecedented growth. I mean, it just seemed like things are going in the opposite direction, what logic would, I mean, what do you find in your reporting? I mean, well, I think, and again, for talking to Jeanne too, is that people, because of the pandemic, a lot of homeowners aren't putting their houses on the market, right? So you're brushing up against people craving houses, bigger houses, different houses, moving out of apartments versus people who aren't yet ready to move about the country freely. And I'm sort of curious, once the COVID starts to lift, if we'll see sort of a, a broadening of the market. But we look yeah. at population trends and, and populations going down, right? I mean, it, and so it just seemed like there should be more houses, right? Logic would say there, you know, people are moving away or moving out. There, there should be more houses. I would have to just say that, um, like, there's there's even a building shortage. Like, even the builders are not building houses fast enough to meet the needs. So it. It definitely is a unique situation and um like just kind of thinking about, you know, what's going to happen after COVID ends. I don't know that it's going to change like right away because I think that people are so tired of being pent up in their houses <laughs> that they are going to continue to have this demand for for housing. I believe that they are because they're going to say, you know, if this ever happens again, I know right. what I need. And I think that's going to continue to drive it for at least, you know, a while after the pandemic. You know, I think, Craig, too, what's so fascinating is like, for Akron, for example, there's tons of houses in Akron and a lot are available, but a lot of them are not the houses people want. And that's why city leaders are pushing so hard to have these new housing developments, right? Because they're trying to meet what buyers want in today's home or today's neighborhood or whatever. But there are some really great neighborhoods, especially for first-time home buyers. I think Jeanne mentioned Firestone Park, right? You can often get a colonial for like $100,000 or $150,000, and it's a solid house. 
Yes. Yeah. Firestone Park is definitely in Akron. One of the areas where I have a lot of people who um, maybe are looking in a moderate price range um, but for a nice house. You know, they want to live in a nice house, but it's moderately priced. It's definitely um, a hot area. And now Goodyear Heights is also becoming um, an area that, and I, and I think that's what has like surprised me. It's just amazing how in the last few months, Goodyear Heights is just exploding for first-time home buyers. Which leads, I mean, are you finding the houses, are people fixing up houses to sell them, or are they just kind of, because it's such a hot market, and there's all these home improvement shows, everyone dreams of uh, granite countertops, I mean, are, are people fixing up the houses to sell? Yeah, they actually are. Um, I've seen, like, just looking at some of my colleagues and some of the listings that they do have. Uh, I've seen some of the the most um, improved homes that I've seen, at least cosmetically. I don't know if they're doing all the mechanical stuff, but cosmetically, they look great. And they're really um, playing into that appeal, that HGTV-ism that millennial buyers desire because, you know, a lot of millennials are thinking, I want my home to look like this, and they won't buy it if it doesn't look like that. So yeah, they're definitely at least making those cosmetic improvements, um, a lot of gray, a lot of paint, a lot of um, you know, like you said, cabinets and countertops, things that are are going to appeal to buyers aesthetically. So there's a scarcity but buyers are still picky. Yeah, yeah, they're still picky. Um some of them have learned, you know, I can't be too picky. I had a couple of young um, millennial buyers that I was working with who said, you know what, I see what you mean. Because I told them, you know, if we can get seven out of ten things on your list, make a list. If we can get seven out of ten, you're probably doing really, really well in this market. So I have people who had to drop some things off of their list, and they're and they're going to make it their own. And so that's kind of what what I've kind of just been saying to them is like, well, a home is a project. You can make it your own and you can do some of these projects yourself. You know, Craig, I think one of the things I also learned during this, that people just to give you some numbers about how the shortages of housing. So in Hudson, right, is a more upscale suburb. Houses are like 320 to $1.5 million. There's usually a hundred houses on the market at any time. In March, there were only 17 houses on the market. In Cuyahoga Falls, which is more moderate, right, a lot of first time home buyers, a lot of houses under $200,000. There's usually 32 active listings. And in March, there were usually 200. And in March, there were 32. So that just gives you an idea of how tight this market is. Exactly. Though I'm, yeah, I'm impressed with your numbers, Amanda. It is, it is, it is absolutely the case. And it's just, it's, it puts, you know, the buyer in a predicament and it puts me as like a professional in the predicament because there is, there are slim pickings and I, that's the first thing that I say to someone when I start working with them. I just want you to know how competitive this market is. And, you know, if you see something that checks the majority of your boxes, you probably need to move on it pretty quickly because if you like it, there are probably at least 10 other like it, if not more. Today, if you had a crystal ball, you'd probably be rich, but if you had a crystal ball, where do you see it all heading? 
So um, I was talking with Amanda um, earlier, and and what I see is that this is going to continue for probably at least two more years. I think that this market is going to continue to be pretty competitive. Um, I I see the demand still being pretty much high and the supply being relatively low. It may increase a little bit, but it's not going to be like enough to balance the market so that it's not a heavy seller's market. Um, I think it'll still be pretty much um, a heavy seller's market within the next couple of years. And uh, I think that um, people are just going to increasingly want to get what they need for their work at home needs. A lot of people are never going back to work, as we know. They're never going back to work in an office. They're going to continue to work from home. So that is going to drive, you know, this market more and more. And perhaps drive remodeling projects, right, for the second office or the, that demand for that second office. I was talking to a realtor um, in Portage Lakes and said that, you know, everyone wants a second office now. Absolutely. Yeah. I know even in my own household, my husband and I have have had that issue, like where we had to create like a makeshift second office in the living room. But sometimes we both need like quiet. Like right now I'm talking, you know, from my home office and there there's a need for a second space. Luckily, we have a few rooms that, you know, we can we can work it out, but not everybody has that. And so people are going to want that second office space. So you hit the nail on the head there, Greg. Well, and also sitting in a formal dining room, um, that still a formal dining room that's now my home office, but, you know, talking to that other real estate said that, you know, people are just taking it out. They aren't, they aren't putting a dining room table in that space. They're, they're calling it something different, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. So every time I take somebody to look for a house and I know that they're working from home, we got to figure out where that office space is going to be. And if they, you know, if they're married or if they have a significant other who also needs an office space, that's that's like the number one discussion that we're having. Isn't that interesting how quickly that can change what people's needs are? I mean, that just that happened. (laughs) Yes. It is. It is amazing. And I wonder if the builders have caught up with that. Do you know if the new homes are coming with, you know, two office spaces or are they just counting on people to repurpose the dining room or bedrooms? I think at this point, from, from what I've seen, um, people are repurposing. But I think going forward, that's something that builders are, are going to have to do. I just want to touch on one final issue. Do you find that the, the first-time home buyers are they savvy right now? I mean, are they kind of using social media, or are they or are they using online tools, or do, do you find that that their level of sophistication in, in in this process is where it should be? Yeah, I think that uh, as far as like the buyers that I've worked with, they they know what's on the market. You know, they're they know what they're looking for for the most part and they're they're like hey you know i want to see this listing this is you know this has been on for the 24 hours and i need to get in here so they're they're doing the research you know and then a lot of them are finding out you know about different taxes and insurance in different areas and I, and that's good because that's something that normally i have to educate people on there are still you know a good amount of people that don't know. But, yeah, I think they're definitely um, 
making themselves informed as much as they can. And if you had one piece of sage advice, what would that be? I think that would be if you are trying to buy a home in this market, you've got to be competitive. Do not look at the sticker price. <laughs> Do not look at the list price. You need to look at that price and say, am I willing to pay fifteen dollars to $30,000 above list price for this house? Because that's what's happening right now. So I think that's like my biggest piece of advice is because I'll have buyers say, oh, you know, this is in my price range. But it may not really be in your price range because you've got to add that competition to the list price. Today, we could go on all night, right, and all day. So I, I thank you for, for joining us. Amanda, thank you for your great reporting, and I, I'm sure you will continue to uh, report on this topic. And I'd like to thank you both for joining us today. Great. Thank you, thank so you for much. having us. Yes, thank you for having us. That's all the time we have today for Now You Know Akron Podcasts. We'd like to thank our producer, BJ Lisko, who makes us sound good, who works behind the scenes to make all this possible. Be sure to join us again next week. Episodes are released every Wednesday wherever you download your favorite podcast and available on BeaconJournal.com and our various apps. We urge you to support local journalism by becoming a subscriber. If you've already signed up, thank you. Until next week, now you know Akron.